Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. G'day and welcome to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition and Skin Institute. Coming up, Hannah Wilkinson. The entire world is going to be watching us. It's the most... One of the most watched events in the world. I think this World Cup will be the biggest. It's actually going to be crazy. (laughs) People are not ready. Hannah Wilkinson, or Wilkie as she is known by her teammates, is one of the star players of the New Zealand Football Ferns, a team she has played in since she was a teenager 13 years ago. She's played over 100 games, been to three Olympic games, played in three, soon to be four FIFA World Cups, and that is just the tip of her football iceberg. Uh, This one needs to come with a little bit of a warning. I know nothing about football. So if you're a massive football fan and you're looking for an insightful and knowledgeable sports-focused podcast, this ain't the one. But I would like to think it's a good glimpse into the mind of one of New Zealand's greatest footballers of all time. And hopefully you'll come away with a better idea of who Hannah, the person, is on and off the pitch. Just before we crack into it, a huge thanks to my sponsors of this episode, Skin Institute and Radix Nutrition. Skin Institute are doing some very important work. 6,000 Kiwis are diagnosed with melanoma each year, and 300 of us, could be me and you, die from it. Skin Institute are the skin cancer experts. Go and see them for a full body skin check. Might even be covered by your insurance. If not, it's only going to set you back a couple of hundred bucks, and it'll give you peace of mind. Their website, skininstitute.co.nz, or you can call them on 0800 0800 This episode is also sponsored by my good friends at Radix Nutrition, who, as a matter of fact, have a special deal for you right now, which you should get amongst. They want you to try their breakfasts for free. Just select a couple of flavors you like the sound of, and you will pay for postage and nothing else. Their breakfast range, by the way, is epic. They taste incredible. And each breakfast sachet is packed with seriously high protein, fiber, no added sugar, and over 30 vitamins and minerals. Me personally, I like them as a pre-run fuel because they give me the fuel I need without making me feel bloated or heavy. But they are fantastic for so many other reasons. If you're a, a hiker or a walker, you can chuck one in your pack. They're very, very light and easy to carry around. You could even just keep a couple in your drawer at work for an emergency healthy snack. Save you from the vending machine. Go to their website, radixnutrition.co.nz and look for a free sample pack. Or to make it easier for you, if you go to the description of this podcast episode, I'll include the direct link to make it real simple. But yeah, you should definitely get amongst it. You know, there's that saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But when it comes to Radix Nutrition, there definitely is such a thing as a free breakfast. All right, let's get into the episode. Hannah Wilkinson from the Football Ferns on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast pace, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. 
Runners only with Dom Harvey and uh, Hannah Wilkinson. Can I, can, do I call you Wilkie? Do I call you Hannah? What do I? I feel like Wilkie is probably the domain and reservation of teammates. Exactly. Yeah. So Hannah it is. Yeah. Uh, striker for the football ferns. Yep. And it's a position that you've had through your entire twenties. Yes. Yeah. Um, started out in the national team two thousand and eleven, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Yeah. And uh, yeah, been going ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's been an incredible career. Thirty one. Thirty one years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, One hundred and five games for New Zealand. Twenty seven goals. Yeah. Well, are you not a stat person? Are you? I don't know. Are you I like, mean, yeah, probably. Ask me. I don't. <laughs> probably. I don't know. It's your podcast, mate. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yes. I mean, it all sounds correct. So, yeah. Probably. And 100th game for New Zealand at the Olympics. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Really, really oh, awesome. That's not something you forget. No. What, 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 what happens when you're in uh, the football ferns and uh, you, you have your 100th? I know, in, like in the All Blacks, uh, very few people have done it, but they get like a cap presentation. Yeah. Yep, so um, I got a, a jersey, my name on it was 100, um, and a cap, and, uh, you know, had a big sort of celebration with the team, um, and yeah, it was just good to, you know, do a little speech, and like, you know, it was it was really cool, and even more special to do it at an Olympic Games, so mm. it was pretty awesome. Are you emotional at, the, at that time? Are you an emotional yeah. person with, the, with these sort of milestones? Um, yeah, I think it gives you some time to reflect, I guess. Um, you know, I don't really keep that very... I, I didn't actually know it was my 100th until I was told, you know, you <laughs> might actually get 100 games. And I'm like, oh, no, no way, really. So, uh, But, yeah, it was cool. It was amazing to be able to reflect and, and just be grateful that I was able to do that with two injuries as well. Major injuries was a pretty awesome thing to be able to achieve. Yeah, major injuries, um, the, the knee injuries. We'll get into that. There's so much to the Hannah Wilkinson story to get into, including not just the football, but you just being like ridiculously good at whatever you put your, <laughs> put your mind to. You've got songs on Spotify. You're an accomplished artist with a mural at uh, Eden Park. There's like so many... Oh, um, psychology student at Harvard as well. Like, there's just so many feathers to your cap. It's just ridiculous. How can one person get so much talent? It's not fair. <laughs> okay, so um, FIFA World Cup 2023 here and here. In, how many how many World Cups have you been to? Pre- is it two others? Three others. Three now. others. So this is yeah. your fourth. Yep. So where have the previous three been? Uh, first one was Germany um, in 2011, and then. Uh, Canada, 2015, and then France, 2019. Right. So what, what does it mean having it in New Zealand? Because it's uh, – where were you when you heard the news, when you heard the news about the announcement? Can you remember that I, moment? Um, I was actually with a couple of teammates. I was with Flea, Annalie Longo, and Erin Naylor in Auckland because we, we – you know, that we needed to be down there because it was obviously a big deal when we could actually win the, the bid to host. And um, we had no sleep because we had to listen to it live, <laughs> and it was over in uh, wherever FIFA was announcing it at the time. And, um, yeah, they they said it was New Zealand, and I couldn't get over I mean, it was just the most amazing news, and we spent that whole <laughs> no sleep, media all day, and just all of this. Uh, all of these possibilities unfolding in our minds, like at Eden Park, like opening match, and and now we're here. Amazing. Was this sort of like a candidate race or anything? Like, was New Zealand on a shortlist or? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was between us, Japan, and oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, like a couple yeah. of other countries, but I think it was Japan pulled out for some reason, and it gave us a really good chance. And 
um, yeah, we had to obviously co-host with Australia because we wouldn't we, have the as infrastructure. A country, we would or, never yeah. be able to do that alone. So, oh, it's just incredible. I'm not, I'm not really a, like a football person myself, so I, I do apologise in advance for any dumb questions that might come out. My football knowledge um, is probably similar to Ted Lasso on episode one, season one. <laughs> That's about the extent of it. But um, are we sort of underestimating as New Zealanders how big this tournament is? And it, do you think it's one of those things that we won't realise just the significance of it until it's right here? Completely. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I think people are going to start to realise how big it is once the first games come and first few games are going to come and go. Um, yeah, there's just <laughs> the entire world is going to be watching us. Like the, it's it's the most one of the most watched events in the world. I think this World Cup will be the biggest. So it's actually going to be crazy. <laughs> People are not ready. I can see like your eyes light up when you uh, talk yeah, about it's, it. It's just amazing. I mean, I've been to several, so it's it's an like an event unlike anything else. And this, this one will be the most special, I guess, because of the you know, proximity to family. and Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we are a team that are always, always the away team. We are never at home. You know, we play overseas constantly. I think most of us just barely play in New Zealand, if that. Um, you know, not even barely any home games. So um, to bring it home and to actually have a home advantage and then to play in front of, family and friends who helped you get to where you are is amazing. Mm. Absolutely incredible. And how's New Zealand going to do? Where are you expected to come? Well, you know, our goal so far is to, uh, you know, make history and get out of the group and obviously go beyond, you know. Um, our group is not too bad. It's it's one of the better groups we've had in the past. Um, and we can really compete with these teams. And, yeah, we're going to really go for it. And we've been preparing for the last... You know, the last couple of months we've all been together in camp and we've been working bloody hard and it's the longest time we've ever been together, you know, instead of rocking up to a tour with two trainings to figure out how to play together. <laughs> um, yeah, we're playing together for weeks and weeks at a time and it's been a real privilege, so mm. that's good. But there's, um, there's quite a few people in the, in the team in their 30s, am I right? Yeah, so, so it's quite a quite a mature established team. Yeah, like, so I'm, I mean that in the respect that people that you've played with before and a lot yeah. over the years. Well, traditionally we actually had a pretty consistent squad um, of the same players, and lately now, last kind of few years actually, the team's oh, you know kind of gone through a, a little bit of a change where some a, y- a whole younger generation has come moved through into the squad, and the original sort of key kind of group. Um, hasn't, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a process of figuring each other out at this point, like a younger generation and an older sort of generation as well. So that's along with a new coach. Well, the, Do you uh, have a comment? Oh, I got it. Hey, my dog, <laughs> Kanye, uh, for anyone that's listening to this rather than watching the video, he is just like staring at you like s- sickeningly in love. I know, he's so cute. He's obsessed. He's a big football fan. I know. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe the striker's here. (laughs) That's what you are, a striker. Yes. Yeah, so that means you you get the goals. Mm. We'll go right back. So growing up, you're from um, Whangarei. Mm Mm-hmm. You're from Kamo or just Whangarei? Just Whangarei, yeah. Why did I think you're from Kamo? Well, I went to Kamo High School and I played uh, in Kamo, like, you know, football teams and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm from sort of Kensington, which is more in... I mean, it's not a very big place. You could say I'm from Kamo if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what what, what other sports did you play? Like, we established early on that you're very good at a number of things, which we'll get into. Um, Were there other sports that you played that you excelled at when you were younger or...? 
Um, yeah, I, I played a little bit of a little bit of rugby, a little bit of uh, like track. I was I loved sort of sprinting and maybe some cross country surfing. I really enjoyed, uh, but football was the one that kind of really stuck for me. I, I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Yeah, because uh, you had um, two brothers who both played. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that's what attracted you to football? Just yeah, following. definitely. I, I wanted to do whatever they did, so yeah. like you know, just followed them in, and we were naturally very competitive people. Yeah. So are they both both older brothers, or are you the middle? I'm the middle child. Yeah. So one younger, one older. Um, Having um, an older brother that would that would help sharpen the pencil, though. I'd imagine when it comes to sport and stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he lost interest pretty quickly. But my little brother, um, he carried on and, and loved it. And then my dad started coaching, and that's when I started to get pretty serious. And yeah. Just kept going. From Amazing, there. and you, yeah. you even had a photo of um, you had a photo of uh, Maya Jackman. Who's Maya Jackman? Oh yeah, Maya Jackman is a New Zealand football fern. She's a legend of the game. Um, is that terrible that I that I don't know who Maya Jackson is? It's Jackman. a bit terrible. I'm uh, going to teach you all about her now. Yeah, though, yeah. So, yeah. Oh no, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm I'm real sorry. I I feel like I deserve to be educated. So <laughs> who is Maya Jackman? She's a she was one of the um kind of front runners for the football ferns. She's in the all the kind of earlier World Cups. Um, like are we talking 80s or 90s? 90s, I right, believe. Right. Um, and she was a, a footballer that I looked up to quite a lot growing up. Like I had my yeah poster of her on my wall. And, okay. Um, I kind of j- managed to join the team kind of right as she was leaving, I think. And, oh, um, so your paths crossed. Yeah, so, slightly, I think. I do remember some trainings with her. That's so, got to be the most yeah. surreal... Pinch myself moment. So yeah, you're yeah. In, you're in the same team as this as this lady who you had on your wall as a poster. Where did you get the poster from? By the where would you get a poster of Maya Jackman? Oh, I mean that was that was the kind of female football icon growing up. Right, uh, there weren't many because you know growing up I was I was only kind of looking up at you know male players um, because there wasn't much women's football at all. Yeah, so Maya was quite a, a key sort of figure. Um, obviously, the more serious that women's football became in New Zealand, the more visibility we got, um, the more we got to know and look up to uh, all of those past football fans. Yeah. And then, thankfully, I ended up playing with a lot of them, which was incredible and such an honour. <laughs> yeah, do you do you fangirl? Like, do you manage to keep it pretty chill? I mean, I think I came in there kind of <laughs> just with such a, uh, a desire to... All I wanted to do when I... Started to get really serious with football was to represent my country, and so yeah, all of these girls that I was looking up to and, and watching on TV, I, I was starting to get to play alongside them, and that was amazing. And to be not just play alongside them, but to be guided by them and coached by them was just, it's the, I mean, it's it's that sort of uh, guidance has led me to become the player I am now. Yeah. So so when you made the team, you were like seventeen years old, right? Seventeen um, or just turned eighteen, maybe. I think when I made that senior team... Yeah, the football fans. I was, yes, yeah, 17. So how old was Maya then? Same age as what you are now, like early 30s? Must be. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That's I a, think so. That's a huge age gap, isn't it? <laughs> like, I don't know do, if she's that old, no. No, but I mean, like do, like, do you feel it now? Like when, say, a 17 or 18-year-old comes into the team, like from where you are now, like in your oh, early yeah, 30s, I know. <laughs> they're, they're doing the TikTok dances, are you like, oh, I'm too old for this shit? Yeah, I know it is. I mean, you start to see that, and that's what we're experiencing at the moment as a squad and has been for the last few years is the um, converging of the younger generation with 
the kind of veterans that we're in for so long. I mean, we're seeing Millie Clegg now as the 17-year-old coming in, and I'm like, wow, you are so young, but you can see, like, you know, the the future. Mm. And it's exciting because she's a fantastic player. Yeah. Mm. So growing up in Whangarei, playing football in the, I'm guessing, the, like the 90s, early 2000s, was there, was there a girls' team? No. No. No way. I played with boys until I was about 16. Was it, so you, you played in a, a boys' team, or was it like called a mixed team? And were well, there they other... called it a mixed right. team. There was usually just me, but I had a, a couple of other girls, okay. maybe one or two others. Because I've had Sophie Devine on the podcast. You know Sophie Devine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, is she a bit older than you? Maybe she's mid to late 30s. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, she, yeah, I'm not sure. But she, she talked about that, how, yeah, same situation as you, played with brothers growing up. Yeah. Um, lots story, of fights. Brother chased yeah. her with a stump one day. Um, and Thank then God she, for brothers. Eh? And then there were no, there were no girls teams, so she no. just had to play in the boys team. And she, she had a story on the podcast about how usually the other boys were okay, but it was some of the parents were like quite weird about it. And That's some interesting. She's got you. You didn't sort of encounter any of that, anything like that from either. Not necessarily. Either, no. I mean, nothing that I knew of. You know, I think if anything, it would be my parents at the fear of like you can't play with boys. Like it's going to be too rough. But in fact, you know, it, it, it meant that you could compete a little bit harder and push yourself that little bit more. So I'm mm. actually really grateful I got to play with boys. And I think a lot of ferns that had similar upbringings would say the same. Mm. Did they? Did they have a rule in Whangarei? I know some parts of the country had this rule where. Um, if you're a girl and you're playing in a boys' team and you scored, you got two points instead of one. They did, <laughs> I have heard a, about that. They didn't have that in Whangarei? No. Shit, that would have been dangerous with you I on the team. It would have been, actually. You would have <laughs> taken real advantage of that. Um, in some ways, like, <laughs> like, like, like reflecting and looking back now, do you think um, yeah, like playing with uh, you know, with boys the same age or even a bit older than you, it's like it sort of made you, made you stronger, made you tougher, made you Absolutely. more competitive? It certainly made me more competitive, Yeah, I think. Um, and it also kind of teaches you a lot about you shouldn't underestimate yourself, regardless of your you know regardless of your gender. You should be yeah. trying to push yourself to be the best. And I didn't care if it was up against like a six foot tall fella. Like I was just try, you know. So yeah, no, I'm I'm really I appreciate it. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, and then you moved to Auckland at seventeen. You came here mm-hmm. to study, mm-hmm. and. Everything must have happened really quick. Yeah, it did. I think that was one thing that was tough for me at the time is kind of breaking into teams or having... I did try to make the under-17 you know, the under seventeen Women's World Cup that was here. I worked hard to make that team. Um, and I did travel down kind of every week uh, for a, like a trial sort of squad and but never actually made the squad. And that was a moment where I was just so devastated, you know. Um Good. I'm, pl- I'm pleased to hear there's been a little bit of adversity yeah, in your life. Of course, there has been. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get success without failure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was a moment that was really like crushing for me. Obviously, you know, young kid wanting all these dreams and not getting picked. That's you know always hard. Um, and then, yeah, how, how does how does that happen that you miss out on the under seventeen New Zealand team, and then the, the the next year or even the same year you're playing for the national? Well, I think I had a I I grew about three foot. Taller, okay. which helped. I got a little bit, you know, stronger. I got a bit fitter. Um, I think technically I got a little bit better. I got a little bit smarter with the game, 
uh, moved to Auckland as well, so I was under the noses of the coaches more often, and I think that's how it kind of happened for me. So, since then, you, you're—I mean, it probably doesn't feel like this for you, but from an outsider's perspective, when you read the Wikipedia page, it, it looks like the last 13, 14 years has just been like a crazy whirlwind. Like you're in Tennessee for five years, then you're in um, Sweden, and you're in uh, Portugal, and you're in Australia, and you, you, meanwhile, you're playing for the New Zealand national side this whole this whole time. Mm-hmm. From an outsider's perspective, it looks like it's been a, a hell of a life. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's what's great about football is it's a global sport and it's the biggest, most popular sport in the world. And it, it's everywhere. It's all over the world. It would take you uh, to, to some incredible places. And it, you know, it meant that I could go and play in the States and, you know, pay for my education and... Just the amount of opportunities that I've got through football are just phenomenal. And um, I'm just so excited that, you know, Australia and New Zealand are going to see the global game. It's mm. just not common. Football is just not that popular here at all. No, it's way down in the, in not, the sporting yeah. ranking, eh? Yeah. Do, 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 do you, does it bother you when people here call it soccer? Um, and I suppose being, being spending so much time in America, you're sort of used to it. That's what I mean. Because yeah. in America, yeah, it's, it's, it's soccer. And... Um, but I think, yeah, it is football. Like, that's the traditional sort of, that was the Yeah, and it also makes, makes no sense that rugby should it. be called football. It should be <laughs> like handball. Or. Yeah. Well, even living in Australia now, because football's now, it's AFL yeah. there. And I'm like, no. You know, it's just guess it can get confusing, yeah. but yeah, football is definitely the, the right word for it. Yeah. Sure. So you moved to Tennessee 17, 18? I actually went when I was 20. Yeah. Oh, so you're in Auckland for a couple of years. I was in Auckland studying for a while. And okay, then, um, psychology. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, just decided to go over there, continue my study, and I heard a lot of really good things about college, and um, kind of looked around, or you know, uh, sent kind of a playing resume out. To like some, you know, I don't know, it was some system that worked. Went to some scouts. Yeah, or, yeah pretty much. Yeah. And um, yeah, met with a lot of different teams. I actually committed to Maryland because I really like the coach. His name's Brian Penske. And I went, I was about to go to Maryland, but he told me at the end of my recruitment year that he was moving to Tennessee. And he was like, do you want to just like have a look at school? Because I liked him a lot as a coach. And I loved Tennessee. It was awesome. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it was fantastic. Yeah, what did you, what, you love about it? Um, I loved that it was only a women's team there and women's sport at the University of Tennessee is traditionally really big so the, the I don't know if you've heard of the Lady Vols basketball it's a huge program um, where they had a very famous women's coach that took them to just several championships and they were just extremely successful so the the um, emphasis on women's sport and women's success and women's athletics there was massive, and I mm. loved that. And they also had a lot of international athletes, which I also really, really loved. Yeah. The facilities were fantastic. So it was just amazing. Mm. It was an amazing place. What about, what about homesickness? You're a long way, long way from Whangarei. Yeah, I was really homesick when I first went there. Were you? Like, first six months, yeah. I was a wreck. So where were you staying? Were you like in a, in a dorm or a hall or a flat or what? I started off in some <clears throat> dorms, sort of um, student departments, kind of, and then, um, yeah, eventually moved into some kind of off, off-campus living, and it was just awesome, mate. Like, was it? It really was. Once <laughs> I got over the homesick, I was, I loved it, and I fell in love with country music, and it was just such a cool experience. Seriously, anyone, 
any like kid in New Zealand, especially like women's footballers that want to be successful, go to college. I'm telling you, it's the best thing for you. You get, you will end up, you know, getting your education paid for most of the time if you're a good player. Mm. And, um, you know, you get, have an incredible experience and it's a really good stepping stone into professional. Did it feel like you'd walked into like the scene of like 10 things I hate about you? Or, you know, was there like um, sororities and yeah, frat houses and yeah. Yeah, beer the pong, the red cups? It was really? like a movie, it was. <laughs> Actually? It was, yeah. Were you, in a, were, you in a, were you in a house or is that what they call it, a, like a house? or? A... Yeah, I did end up like living in a house with a bunch of teammates. And, no, a house uh, like a sorority house. Oh, or, like actually, yeah. Well, those those are more. Uh, you kind of get, aren't they? Like kind of uh, generationally sorted out. Like that's like a if you have like oh your my parents had to be oh was really? this, so my my dad was this in this okay, fraternity. So, so then I'm gonna so go Wilkie from Fongaday. No, you're not. Uh, you're not no, allowed in the uh, land. That, um, I mean, those you kind of. If you had parties, then you'd rock up to one of those. But I, I didn't particularly enjoy those, really. I mean, I think they were just, like, it was just too much, eh? Like, yeah, well, what's the drinking like over there? Because New, Ze- New Zealand gets a very bad rap, and I think rightfully so for, like, our drinking culture here. What, what was it like over there in t- terms of binge drinking and stuff Oh, like it was that? right up there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so they're no better than us. Well, it was funny because I went uh, over when I was 20, mm-hmm. you know, and over there the, the legal oh, drinking age is 21. So I'm going out with my mates <laughs> in the weekends because in the spring sessions you train all week and then you get the weekends off. And the weekends are when you, like, go for it, you know. And, um, yeah, I went out with my mates, 20 years old, and um, was wondering, like, why is why have they, the why is the guy at the door put these huge X's on my hands? So you've got X's on your hands because it means you can't drink because you're under 20. And... Uh, so I learned a little thing called bathroom beers. This is probably the worst thing to be talking about right before I woke up, but this is a long time ago. Oh, no, this is great. Yeah, enough time's passed. You've, since then, you've yeah, played like has. a zillion games yeah, exactly. for the football. You're good. Those days are certainly oh, over. Oh, so you go to the bathroom and just like, scrub off the... Well, no, you take your beers into the bathroom and you drink them in there. Oh, okay. What, so you have to go in there and like, just like, so it's scale it back? bathroom beers, yeah, if you're under 21. So you, you go in there. So how you go to the bathroom like every half hour or so with a beer and you just go yeah with your mates. You're, you're oh, over, so you hang out in there and mates like... and they bring it in. Yeah, so it was terribly explained. But yeah, just for clarification, I do not do this anymore. Oh no, I, I, I love that. Yeah, what is your relationship with alcohol like now? <laughs> no, no, don't really. Non-existent. Do no, well, I mean, we we have to keep on top of everything. So yeah, but would you have like a wine at dinner or no? Not at all. Uh, occasionally. I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So in Tennessee, you get a, do you graduate? You get a BA in psychology? Uh, yep, I get a, I actually, um, <clears throat> yeah, graduate, graduated with a BA in psych, but because I tore my ACL, um, towards the end of my undergrad year, what you, you get given, basically when you go to college, you get five years to complete four, like five seasons to complete four. And if you get hurt, you've got an extra season. It's called your red shirt season. And I use my red shirt um, season to study like a post-grad course because I've finished my degree. So I ended up, you know, injuring myself, but becoming more qualified as a result. Which mm. I thought was awesome. What drew you to psychology, and has it been helpful for like the mental uh, side of your game? I actually really wanted to be a physio, oh. but um, I wanted to be a professional footballer too, or play for New Zealand. So that was just not an option. I had to, I didn't have the time to put in the hours, so I just kind of leaned towards a more theory based practice, and that was psychology. And then I ended up really enjoying it over time, studying a lot of different branches of it, and. Um, yeah, just kind of kept going with that. Mm. And it has been helpful. Has yeah. it? In, in yes. terms of um, yourself internally or reading other players or dealing with other players? Or has it been helpful? I think mostly um, coping with anxiety, like performance anxiety yeah. and pressure because, like, that just keeps ramping up the more successful you become. It just it can become unbearable, you mm. know. So when you have the strategies to go back to kind of the start and figure out why you started playing in the first place and what you find extremely enjoyable about what you do, it actually is really helpful when you can have that sort of grounding, mm. mindful, those sort of strategies are helpful and learning about those over time. When I was injured, it was particularly helpful as well. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Mm. Yeah, that must have been tough. So you've you've um, had like two fairly significant knee injuries in your career? Mm. So the first one was at Tennessee that you were Yes. So what was that, like a, an ACL thing? Yeah, both of them are ACL. Right, on the same leg? Yeah, it's oh. both of the way – I mean, this is an extremely common injury. You actually won't see most of the – some of the best players in the world at this World Cup because of the, this these injuries, like this ACL injury. It's happening all the time in women's, uh, women's football and in women's sport as well. And I, the way I did it, I mean, it was just the classic – when someone says, like, I blew out my knee, it's exactly what I did. So just sprinting at a defender, stopping on the leg to change direction, and it just explodes almost. <laughs> Terrible injury. So straight away you know that. Oh, yes. It feels horrible. It's basically you just dislocate the joint, and it tears the main ligament that holds it all together. And then I suppose there's a period where you, you sort of hope for the best but expect the worst, and then you yeah. get, the, uh, you get a, a scan or a ultrasound or whatever. Yeah. And then what are they – fuck, how's that? Yeah, look, doing it for the first time, it was, you know, you kind of know but just want to be optimistic. But um, there's a pretty uh, awful test that the physios do when they basically test if your joint's still together and you can kind of feel it when they're testing. So it's, yeah, it's not pretty. Mm. Um, and so that first one was just, it was really tough. But I was so grateful to be at college under that support. Was just amazing because they just had the best facilities and they had the most incredible um, rehab, rehab facilities. You mean? Yeah. yeah, and I mean they're taking care of football, like I'm talking American football, college players. That I mean they see this injury time mm. and time again, yeah. so they know exactly like 
by the book what to do. Um, but mentally, that yeah. must be. I, I, I'm, pro- I'm probably projecting here in a way. Look, I'm, I'm not playing for the national team. <laughs> I'm just a guy that likes to run. But um, the last like year or so, I've been like coming back from a osteoarthritis oh, situation, yeah. Yeah. and I had a couple of physios that said, I, "If it hurts when I run, the solution is just not to run." So I've got a little bit yeah. of cartilage there, but yeah. but not much. So I've been been rehabbing hard, but it's um. Again, I'm just a guy that likes to run because mentally it makes me feel good. Yeah. But fuck, it's been tough. Yeah, it is. It's hard. been really tough. Yeah. You, you know this, this this thing that you love, and it's like, if I mean for you, it's some. Oh, I don't know. It's it's it's, a, it's part of your identity at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially when I did it again on the second leg, and and that's that's when I was a little bit wiser, a little bit older, and learned from the first one. And then um, with my background in psychology, I was very motivated to learn about the uh, the physiology of the injury, why it takes so long, what the surgery does when it, you know, the main problem is where <laughs> periods of inactivity just atrophy your muscles and that's the problem. Mm. You have to build back muscle. Uh, and then it's just this ongoing period of tedious exercise after tedious exercise until you know, you're eventually starting to walk normally and then you're eventually being able to jog. And it, But it's just so slow. So the way that you have to, like, focus on it is, like, not days at a time but weeks at a time because then you focus on the weeks, you see that you are moving forward in the right direction. Um, so simple things like that where you actually have to reframe a lot mm. uh, were really helpful. Um, and honestly, there's just so much advice out there because people have done it. So many people have done it. The best people, the best players. Rapino's done it, I think, three times. So she inspired me a lot with it when I was going through this. Mm. Um, and now look at her. She's at her, I don't know, fifth World Cup? Yeah. yeah. But, but how do you control, like, I don't know, how, how do you control like the negative thoughts and stuff? Because I'm thinking, so for me, I just want to get running again and that's mm-hmm. it. For you... I mean, you've got to think, shit, if I'm not back in time, there's going to be some 17, 18-year-old that comes mm. in and, you know, like emotionally and mentally, how the fuck do you deal with that? So you, you're trying to get yourself better, but in the meantime, someone else could mm. be coming and taking your spot. I guess that comes down to, like, just really focusing on what you can control. Because if you are fixating on things you can't control, it's, it's just not going to help you at all. So you just have to go back to what you can control for yourself. And that's what I did with my second one. I just was like, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to do everything I can um, to get back. And um, it worked. It did. Yeah, it was hard. So hard, you know. And these knee injuries, I mean, like, you're never the same after, but you figure out ways to prevent it and ways to keep you strong so that you can be the best version of yourself at the time. Are you nervous for 50-year-old Hannah? Oh, yes, I'm terrified, actually. <laughs> you talking about your osteoarthritis. and you, I'm going to start a cycling career, I think. Certainly no, no more oh, running than me. So some, some, some nights I'll get out of bed at 2 in the morning to go for a wee, and it's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh Feels like I've played like 100 games for the All Blacks or something. Oh, yeah, so then, so from Tennessee, so where do you end up after that? You end up in Sweden? No, Portugal. Uh, no, yeah, I went to Sweden. That was my first professional contract. Um. And that was an interesting experience. What do you mean? Well, we get, first of all, we the internationals that go to this like clubs in Sweden. I mean, this is probably different now, and I hope it is because there's more and more investment in the women's game. But when I went in there, um, I ended up uh, living with a Canadian international, but we stayed in this 
It was a, a basement, but it was being rented out. It was a basement uh, apartment. It was rented out by one of the manager's um, work friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is really weird. It's actually so bizarre if you think about it. <laughs> and uh, that was fine and good and whatever. Like, it's just, it was such a small town. Yeah. And uh, the management um, just kind of worked with with people that really supported the women's game so it's actually quite cool what they did and they had facility or places um, for players internationals to come and live and it was just a really easy way to help us like have somewhere um, but the basement it was a little bit uh, like my stuff got really moldy because it was just really <laughs> damp I mean we're Sweden you know so that was a bummer but it was an adventure you know like it's the first time professional um, in a very small town in the south of Sweden, and it was a great club, awesome um, people. Uh, I improved significantly. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, it's just pushed. The, if you want to just really improve uh, at football, you've got to go to these leagues. These leagues will push you. And, yeah, and, and I suppose because you didn't really want to go home to your basement. You spent extra long at training. <laughs> exactly, yeah, as long as we could, right? It wasn't that bad, yeah, I will yeah. say. It really wasn't that bad. But it's just funny. You will hear a lot of funny stories like that from women's players. And I think from, like, I would argue, like, maybe a lot of women's athletes all over the world because uh, sport for women is not really set up in the way or traditionally, it's not really set up in the way it is for men. You're not treated as well as the men. Is yeah, that kind exactly. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of the time, I think some has it, clubs... Has it got better? You must have seen, like, seismic improvements in, in huge, your massive. 15 years. Yeah. I mean, I've gone from that to, like, I went and played in Portugal uh, at Sporting, where Ronaldo played, and yeah. it's the academy, and we're, like, all as a collective, men's and women's training in the same sort of kind of facilities and living, like, close to Lisbon, and, like, you're mm. treated like a real professional, along with Melbourne City, where I'm at now. It's the same thing. Mm. So, yeah, it has. Did you, did you have seen Ronaldo in real life? Did no, I never saw him, but I did see Bruno... What's his name? Damn. Plays for Manchester mm. United. I don't know. Yeah, you're no, asking the Ted Lasso Bruno. guy oh, here. I know, you're right. All, all I know about Why Ronaldo, I Ren- Ronaldo is um, I would change sexuality for him. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. He's yeah, he's good. I feel like he'd be yeah. Maybe love himself a bit too much. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Maybe. What, what about the Olympics? Did you meet? Do you fangirl over anyone at the Olympics? Do you see anyone of oh, the Olympics? Um, I saw. In 2012, we met Neymar. You have to know who Neymar is. You'll go and Google him later then if you don't know. And um, <laughs> another guy that you won't know. But that was the biggest Who's the other Neymar. guy that I won't know? Because of, um, I don't know, people that are into football that listen to this. One of the can... other Brazilians. Because we Brazil Pile. played. No. God, no. <laughs> Far out. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'm running. No, Google Neymar though. He was. Okay. I mean, man, he's fantastic. All I know, all I know is Messi, Ronaldo, and Beckham, and that's and Rooney. Yeah, I haven't met any of those all guys. Right, sorry. Because right. yeah. I had Marcus Daniel on the pod. Do you know Marcus Daniel? He was a tennis player. He got a bronze oh, yeah, medal at the yeah, last yeah. games. Cool. Um, yeah. For for doubles, and uh, I asked him that same question, and he said, they, "Yeah, they saw the Williams sisters and Usain Bolt mm. at the food court one day, and they were they were just like." They ended up like taking their food away and going and eating in private because they were just like swarmed. Mm. So you got all the all these people there that are the the, the best of the best yeah. in the world, and and then you've got these people that everyone knows. And they're just there trying to do the same gig. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They can't give me privacy. Oh yeah. God. All right. I'm gonna have to look up. Uh, who am I looking up when Neymar. I Neymar. <laughs> Neymar. Write his okay. name down. 
Everybody listening is going to be like, dude, really? You you're a loser. You're a loser. Oh. What an embarrassment. Watch him play too because he's fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, how, so, how, so you go from Sweden to Portugal? From Sweden, I yeah, that's actually where I did my second ACL. And that, Fuck, when was this? This was reasonably recent, hey? It was 2018. 19. 2018, 18? I was tore it. Yep. 2019, I came back from it. And then... Yeah, I went to Portugal kind of after the World Cup in France, um, and that was great. It was awesome. I loved it. It improved my touch. I have never really been a very technical player, so that to improve that part of my game was really important. What What does that mean? Can you explain that? So that's like... Because by this stage, you'd already played like, say, 50 games for New Zealand or something. Yeah. Like you were an experienced. Yeah, and so I'm the kind of forward that kind of is... Athletic sort of running in behind, fast, strong, winning balls in the air. It's quite a raw way of playing. Um, whereas if you're, say, like a midfielder or you, you're a striker that comes down to get the ball at your feet, that's making that means that you're kind of a more technical player and you're able to take really good touches on the ball and dribble past people. And um, that part of my game, I obviously was improving over time, but going to Portugal it really helped. I played basically among the Portuguese national team. So we actually played them recently, and I just met up with all of them, and it was fantastic. Oh, how cool! Yeah. What, what are they? Is it Spanish they speak there? Portuguese. Portuguese. Oh, Portuguese. Yeah. Did you Did you know any? Could you Did you learn any? I learned. This is the how cool do you, thing how about do you play? football. All you do is you learn the you learn like the, oh, the moves on the on the football field. So <laughs> yeah, if it's yeah. right in Swedish, it's like Herger. <laughs> if it's left, it's Venster. And then it's like if there's pressure in Portuguese, it's Cuidado. You got to be careful. So you learn all of that. Just the key specific. words for the game. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you know the internationals because everywhere you kind of play, you'll have internationals and English is kind of the base language. Mm. And you would have like another coach telling you what the coach is saying, and yeah, yeah, just translating it. You know. That's got to be so difficult. Is it, it quite, a, quite a lonely experience? It can be, but football is so international. So mm. it's like, it's not hard to, um, you know, not understand something in football because it really is so universal. It's yeah. a universal game, you know. So it, it, everybody tends to understand what's going on when it comes to games. Uh, but the communication back and forth with the coach sometimes is what has the difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you got your phone out and you're recording it and then putting it through a translator. I've done that so many times. Actually, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Anything to get a point across. Yeah, yeah. Is there a game that stands out as the best game of your career? I know you've had a game where you scored like five goals. You scored all the goals. <laughs> oh, yes. Who was who was that for and against? Was that for, for New Zealand? That was actually for Melbourne City. Right. So that was just. So that's last... where you're at now. You're playing. Melbourne now? Melbourne City, yeah, yeah now. Yeah. So the season before last was a Boxing Day match against Melbourne Victory. So that's why that was so awesome, because Victory are our arch enemies. <laughs> and we beat them five, I think it was five. Did they score? I can't remember if they scored or not. But regardless, it was just the most satisfying game ever. And, and you score five goals. Obviously, it's a team effort, but did you... Putting modesty aside, like, can you look back now and go, you played out of your fucking skin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I think I was good to be in the right positions. I was in the in the positions where I needed to be as a forward. And my team did the rest. As a forward, all you are there to do is to put the ball away. And if you're in the right position to do so and you do it, you've done your job. Because your team relies on you to to do that. They 
they build the ball up to put it on a platter for you to finish, and that's the ideal sort of way that football works. And then, did, did would you say like objectively their goalie had a like a bad game or? Um, I think there were a couple of goals where yes, the keeper really messed up, and also one of their defenders really messed up as well. So that if you're a forward that can anticipate mistakes like that, that's a that's a good thing. Uh, so it's always key to like look out for those kind of mistakes from the other team. But yeah, they, they, she did have a bit of a man that game. God, who would want to be a keeper, right? Eh? That's got to be the the tough. Have, have you ever been um, on a on a team where the the keepers had a like an, an absolute shocker? And how do you deal with that afterwards? Um, like it's got to be know, the hardest thing if you if you know you're stuffed up. Like you you'd carry the weight of the. I don't of, know. Of course, I think. I mean, being yeah. I think when you're in a team sport, no matter what happens, you all take ownership of mm. that result. You know what I mean? So if I'm scoring five goals, for example, that's not my win. That's our win because we did it. You know, And if we lose 5-0, that's our loss. That's not the keeper. Yeah. You know, That's not the keeper's fault for, for um, conceding five goals. It's all of us. We all like, take responsibility for, for those results. Mm-hmm. Is life going to be boring for you when you retire? Like your your twenties have been insane, right? Insane. insane. You've been playing for New Zealand the entire time. You've been in Tennessee. You've been in Portugal. You've been in Sweden, living in a basement, albeit. (laughs) You've been in Australia. So, from my perspective, it's like this is a party that you wouldn't want to end. But then, I'm guess from your perspective, maybe you're like, I just want to, you know, get my roots and settle down somewhere. Yeah, you you nailed it. Honestly, Um, I. Yeah, the, my 20s were filled with uh, a lot of moving around, and that's hard. You know, I found it hard doing it. Um, and a lot of the time, my moving was done. It wasn't my really my choice because of my injuries most of the time was why I had to keep finding new contracts. Um, and then just, you know, post-injury, um, even during COVID, I think I was coming off. Yeah, it was after the uh, Portugal gig that I had and um, COVID hit and a lot of women's teams just lost so much money mm. and I, I was like shoot I've got to find a club and I ended up going playing in Germany which was a tough stint that was a tough one. Oh, I overlooked Germany whereabouts in Germany? Duisburg right why was I that a I don't recommend you go there why <laughs> why? why was that tough? <laughs> uh, tough coach yeah. uh, very intensive training I mean Germany's kind of um, well known for this the Bundesliga is a really good league, so I, I loved it, pushing myself in that respect. It was awesome. Uh, but our team, yeah, we weren't that good. So so we were getting beaten a lot, and uh, our coach was, he was just a maniac, to put it lightly. What was it, just the, like the, just the, just the German traits yeah, well, that everyone speaks he, of, or just an absolute just maniac? Just I'm telling you, if you don't pass it right, or you don't, uh, you don't control the ball properly, you're running. You know, like old school, like no uh, emotions allowed, <laughs> just straight out like, oh, I mean, it was hell. We had a period of time where it's just snowed for for two weeks straight and we just did two-hour gym circuits in a tiny gym <laughs> about the size of this room for like two and a half hours. Like I was like. And then uh, I have so many funny stories from that. What was the purpose? Like to build like resilience, mental toughness? Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) There had to be. And then we, um, what happened was we got locked down. And in Germany, 
if you left your house, we had a, a positive case in our team and we got uh, put on lockdown, so we were only doing Zoom workouts. Also awful. Oh. Um, but then we... Uh, so so if you were if you left your isolation period because we had to be stuck inside for two weeks, if you left that uh, and you were caught by the German authorities leaving your home, um, it was like a fifteen thousand euro fine or something. It was yeah. So the, but the coach he comes over and he goes, "Now what you're going to do is you're going to you guys are going to run but go at night so they don't get you." And I was like. Dude, I'm not doing that. I'm not. What are you going to pay my fine? Like hell no. But he was dead serious. He was like, "You have to go and run. Go and run at night." I was like, "No thanks." That's amazing character building, though. Eh? Yeah, How good? Great stories. Oh, t- insane stories. How, how much longer have you got in the game? There's the, the World Cup coming up, and then there's um, the Olympics next year. But it, like, do you feel like you are still sort of peaking as a player, or do you feel like you're over the apex and on the way? Yeah, look, honestly, after my second injury, I was like, man, I don't know how much more I've got in me, honestly. And um, uh, playing for Melbourne City my first season there, I actually had a rejuvenated sort of uh, energy for the, for the game because I, I performed really well. I had one of my best seasons, and um, that really kind of motivated me a lot. And I thought, how awesome, like, going to be heading into a home World Cup mm. in this form and hopefully carrying it on. Um, and obviously... You know, I did think about taking a break after this World Cup um, from at least club football as well. Uh, but I thought, like, why would I do that when I put so much work into it? Yeah. And I would be peaking for this World Cup. So uh, looking to sign with City again um, this coming season. Yeah. And uh, then beyond, I'm not too sure. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully Olympics maybe. But yeah. is, there, um, like, is, there, is there much money in women's football? Like it's it, it's it w- only getting b- bigger and better, yeah. but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say go and play women's football because, like, you get paid millions. Like, that's certainly not yeah, the case. No, no. <laughs> but it's definitely improving significantly, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the um, the psychology papers and stuff, and, I mean, it, there's you're incredibly smart and intelligent, so your 20s could have been sp- spent, like, building up a career and basically mm. doing anything you fucking wanted. Like, you, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, is, you, yeah. So you wouldn't want to get to the end of your career and be, like, 35 or 37 and no, go, exactly. well, fuck, I've got absolutely nothing to show for it. Which is actually a, a massive anxiety for most athletes and most friends, that, you know, that who are ath- professional athletes is, like, how the hell are we supposed to retire and then be unqualified for basically everything, mm. you know? It's a really common thing. And, um, you know, that's why players' associations are so important yeah. because they help give you a lot of life advice. They help you uh, with scholarships to study if you haven't done so and work experience, coaching licenses, you know, the thought of, you know, unfortunately your career can only last as long as your body can, you know? Mm. So, um and for the, I think for women's uh, footballers in particular, that's really important because we're not left with millions to save later. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think grafting your career while playing is something that's highlighted everywhere, and it's really important that people do that. Yeah. What will you do afterwards? Psychology, do you think? That'd yeah, be the obvious one, right? Definitely um, leaning towards that, but that's for sure. Mm. What about um, sports psychology? Yeah, I mean... So you could stay, stay in the football fields that way. <laughs> I think, if anything, I would like to, um, you know, investigate more, uh, go more scientific a little bit, maybe more neuropsychology. Also with psychology of sports injuries, I find that fascinating just because 
of the strategies I kind of applied, I found really, really worked for me. And so I would like to kind of obviously study that further yeah, and get a little what do you, bit better. What do you mean? What were, what were some of those strategies? Oh, I mean, I managed to sort of um, understand a little bit more about the mechanism of the injury and understanding what the problem is, mm-hmm. kind of naming it to taming it kind of thing. So you understand what's happening. That. Yeah. it's cool. Like you understand what's happened or what's happening to your injury and then um, once you learn more about the physiological side of it and you have a theoretical understanding of it, you actually can apply a lot with your mind to those um, rehab exercises that you have to do. So, for example, when you're learning to run again or uh, retraining your knee so that it doesn't swing in um, dangerously because what you're wanting to do is protect that joint at all costs. Mm. So when you're doing a movement, actually thinking about the movement to re um, energize those connections, those proprioceptive connections. So that kind of aspect I found really, really worked. Yeah. And I think it's really under um, underestimated. So I'd like to like obviously learn a little bit more about it and then also teach people about mm. it too. I don't know how you've managed to find time for everything, eh? <laughs> so there's the, the study, there's all the playing that we've talked about, the, the various like countries that you've lived in. But then all, you follow you on Instagram, there's the extracurricular stuff as well. Like you, you, you're a mad artist as well. Like you've, done a, you've, you've done a mural at Eden Park uh, to celebrate the three, the three Women's World Cups, uh, cricket, rugby, and, uh, and now football. Um, and you design tattoos for people. <laughs> You got any, you got any um, ink on yourself that you've designed? Yeah, no. I do. I, I do. I have one here. It's, what um, is that? What's that? It's like a um, a koru and a, a Māori sort of um, kiritūhi mm. that I kind of came up with, and a rose, and there's a lily there, and um, just a cool design I really wanted somewhere. Mm. Um, it's, there's definitely more that I want. You know, don't tell my mum though. <laughs> you, you design tattoos for other people, right? So people can contact you. I used you. to do that. Oh, you yeah. don't do that anymore? I did that for a long time. I've done some of my teammates' ones, which I think is so cool to see. That is. That's yeah. the highest honour, I think, hey? I think a lot of what I do is I, I want to do things because I want to always see if I can do it. I like to challenge myself. So with the mural, for example, I've always wanted to do the art that big and have opportunities to do that. And Nick Sorton, the CEO, kindly, like, said yes go for it and man that was just such an incredible challenge and I just like to push myself in, in those aspects um, and I always like to yeah, just see how much better I can get mm. at something do you, do you ever have self doubt with these things? Or? Oh yes do you? absolutely yeah how, definitely how do, you, how do you get over that? The human condition yeah um, freaking out for a little <laughs> bit and then <laughs> just um Adapting and then coming up with ways to, to solve things. Like, for example, with the Eden Park mural, the, the space I did it on was um, almost like road seal. So it was a terrible surface. Mm. Lots of unanticipated things like that. And then the paint I used, I would have usually used like a, a street art paint that dries quick. But um, the, the paint they gave me, which I'm thankful they did that, was Dulux. So it was like furniture paint. And it just dripped. <laughs> down the second you sprayed it so i had to do some problem solving i freaked out for a while but then i came up with, came up with a solution solving. Yeah. yeah uh where i use more stenciling and some um uh, masking tape kind mm. of ways to keep the lines kind and then obviously some paint obviously how just normal paint paintbrush so yeah. well you, your art's really good like there could be money in that post football if you chose yeah. to go that way you could be like the next flocks 
Yeah. The next what? Sorry. Flocks. What's that? Oh, okay. I'm taking a point back for All the right, for, can. The, for, right. the, for the Neymar. 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 Flocks. On the other side of this wall, there's a flocks. I'm going to show you afterwards. Okay, great, she does great, like birds. Great. Cool. Okay. Yeah, she's really oh unbelievable. Man. Wilkie doesn't know four locks. Unbelievable. All right, okay. it's a tie. It's um, a tie. What about your surfing? You get out surfing, or do, do you? Oh yeah. Do you? Do you get told off by? Um, like any administration in your team for surfing or anything like that, like as an injury risk or <laughs> so. In, in fact, in your clubs, like usually when you sign with a club team, they'll have an, a little detail in your contract that you're not allowed to do certain things, like you can't ski or you're not allowed to snowboard <laughs> yeah. or like. But clubs, I mean, so far what I've signed is there's been no detail of that. I mean, it says briefly something like you're not allowed to be reckless, you know, engage in reckless activities. So most of the time you probably could get away with it. But um, Do you go all right? Yeah, yeah, I mean. uh, What size board? uh, I usually had a a short board, much slightly taller than me. I haven't been so long, though. I mean, it's hard. Like, with this career, it is – you do sacrifice a lot when you when you're a professional athlete. It's an amazing career, and it's just obviously living the dream. But you do sacrifice a lot of course. things like that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I haven't been for ages. Yeah, which oh, sucks. I'm so but. jealous. I've yeah. I, I've had a board for like the last ten years. It's very big. It's like it's probably borderline <laughs> stand up paddleboard length. And I still can't get up on it. <laughs> it's huge. It's massive. That's a nightmare to toss around the surf. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And. and so what about the music? You, you've got some songs on Spotify. Your, your music's really good. I really like it. Yeah, man. I, I actually went through a period there where, I mean, I've been playing guitar for a very long time. Since like a kid or? Yeah, since I was about 12. My dad played, so he taught me. And my little brother like played a bit of bass. My older brother plays guitar. So anything we kind of did was fostered within the family, which was cool. Yeah, so that would have been... I mean, I think it's never been easier to learn to play something like a guitar than what it is now with YouTube tutorials and stuff. And oh. they have the fingering in slow motion and everything and, like that. Yeah. So you, oh, did, your tad, did your dad manage to – he obviously managed to teach you okay. Like, you're pretty good. Yeah. Well, he he, he, got, he bought me my first guitar, but then I actually had about a year of lessons. I've always been a kid that wants to get – I'm very stubborn in that I want to get good at something. I just sat and I did it until I was – you know, because I just was like that. We're quite different. I'm a quitter. <laughs> Two lessons, nah, I'm done. Wow, so you just want to improve. I think there was anything creative I really enjoyed, and I thought, man, that sounds amazing, or that looks so cool, I have to learn how to do it, and I just did it until I did it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that first year of lessons, I had an amazing um, guitar teacher at school, and uh, he... He made everything very easy. So I recommend if you're starting an instrument, like go actually get lessons because then it forces you to go. A lot of the reason people don't kind of continue with an instrument is because they just don't do it enough. You know, mm. you have to keep doing it. So um, that sort of persistence is needed. And then, how long did it take to to get the confidence to like play in front of another person, like a non-family? You, you know what I mean? It took like me a, a while. Yeah, and I kn- yeah. So I feel like a lot of people that learn an instrument must have that. Eh? Like that's got to be. Quite a terrifying thing to, yeah, to to you know to, to like it's it, it's a it's a very vulnerable moment, isn't it? Absolutely, like you feel must yeah. feel very exposed. So, can you yeah. remember that moment? I do. I think you know. Any time I've gone on a tour with New Zealand, 
I'd bring my guitar, and we always have like a single, something like that. <laughs> if, if you bring a guitar on tour, there's going to be an expectation yeah, that you have course, to play it to others. Of course, but I kind of brought it because you know it calms me down. That's you know. Just so you just wanted to like practice as a distraction yeah. thing in your room, but or... then with like some of my friends, and we'd just mess around, you know. Um, but yeah, playing even in front of them was like you all automatically sound terrible when you sing when you in sing your when own you're head. nervous. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. So. That's always like a yeah a tough part to get over, but it's a it's a good way to practice confidence, you know, and trusting yourself and your self esteem and stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose especially if you get the validation back. Yeah, that you probably does. Well, so what were you doing? Just like like Ed Sheeran covers, Fleetwood Mac know. covers? No, I what, what? Yeah, it would be something like that. One of those. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. so how do you make the leap from um, you know learning to play the guitar, doing covers to writing your own songs? And yeah. then putting them on Spotify. So when I was in Sweden, the thing is, in, you know, when we were playing professionally, you you train for about two hours and then you've got the rest of the day, you know, dur- during the week. Especially if it's like, you know, you're leading up for a game and you have to be ready for a game. So those rest hours I really took advantage of. Um, and I got pretty serious with my music because I thought it would be a place where I would end up. I would have thought, you know, I could do this. You know, I really believed... That I could end up doing that. And so that's where I put a lot of time and energy into writing music. I had a lot of songs already that i just written over, over the years and decided to record a couple. And, um, yeah, just chuck them on and just wanted to see how they did. And, yeah, I've been playing, like, a little bit of live gigs here and there, like, those few years. I haven't done it for a while, honestly. Mm. It's kind of um, an avenue that I thought I would actually really go for it. But during the process, I actually got really frustrated it's something about turning a passion into a profession that kind of ruins it. Because I had to sing the same damn song over and over again. I like I can't hear the song anymore. It drives me nuts. Oh, like when you're recording it. When you're recording it. Yeah. Because it's not right. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Over and mm. over and over. Oh. Yeah, because your most popular song on Spotify is called Waiting for the Sun. Yeah, um, it's a good one. And it's, um, yeah, lyrically it's really intense. It's a song about... Um, Waiting for a relationship? Like a right, the sun is a... I think so. It was something like that. It was... Um, what do you mean you think so? I can't. It was so long ago. I'm so old, Dom. Right, right. <laughs> oh, grow I, up. Yeah. You're 30 fucking one. You can never sit down in front of a 50-year-old okay, and say fair. you're old. I will say that's fair. You were just talking about osteoarthritis before. So. No, but I, like, I, I listened to it um, a few times on repeat on my run today, and I'm not normally a lyric person, but I, I mean... Yeah, so. I think, I think it's, it was about like a part or um, going through a really tough relationship and then finding someone that was finally like I've waited for the sun and it's happened for me kind of thing because mm. most of my music I mean like most artists and most people write when they feel the most and like you know relationships mm. are those like we really have those heightened feelings and yeah. obviously it was an, well, that was a huge outlet for me there's a lot of songs I've written about um, my football and failures my injuries I've written about I've got t- so many songs that I just haven't um I certainly haven't recorded them, mm. but they're definitely somewhere. How do you, from someone that's got zero musical experience or talent or ability at all, like how, how do how do you turn a song about like football failure into a into a song? Like, like what are, what are some of the lyrics of that one? I think it was just like pretty broad terms, like yeah. being patient and um, kind of not being a victim in it, and yeah. controlling what you can, and there's a lot of metaphors you can use and. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can start to get really artistic with it that way. Yeah. But honestly, well, I, I, well, you say you, you can start to get artistic that way, but I think you're just that way. That way, sort of um, inclined. Wired, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think overall, all of that really helped just my mental health and also just helped my, my performance and calming mm. down on the pitch as an athlete as well and figuring – helped me figure myself out a lot as well. And, yeah. Because you know, living away from home is awful. You know, it's hard because I do love my country and I love being home. Like now it's being close mm. – living in Australia is a dream. Yeah. So like when you are living abroad and then you're injured and you can't play or like you're not getting picked to start and you're just like, why the hell did I move this far? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so all of that it just helped – so much, and as, as you, you you mentioned, your um, it's good for your mental health. Has your mental health been most mostly good? Like apart, obviously, apart from the periods where you've got like knee injuries and other yeah. other thing, other you know highs and lows or lows rather that come along with being a professional sports person. It's been mostly good. Over yes, the years. absolutely, yeah. yeah. But awesome. honestly, it has been being a professional athlete like because because you're so defined like that. Yeah, you are. Right? Um, I think one way for me to uh, kind of not get so bogged down and and being defined as a professional athlete when you're injured you're suddenly not that um my music or my creative side really helped me in that respect because it's like okay football doesn't actually define me it's not the single most thing that defines who i am i'm also a creative person and i can still do that you can relax there's probably other people that need to worry about being defined by but you've got plenty of feathers in your cap you're good Quite a like wide community of athletes that do have creative sides. Is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a couple of Melbourne City teammates mm. that um, are photographers. I got those, some of them. They're graphic designers. The Olympic, um, the IOC. They have like an athlete artist program. Wow. Yeah, and so I met a, a javelin thrower from England, Great Britain, who like I kind of connect with, and he does these amazing paintings. He's an insane painter. Wow. So there is actually like quite a community yeah, out there. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So cool. And the um, the person that Waiting for the Sun is about, do, do, do you play them the song? Like, do, Is there a, a particular person that knows that song is about I think, them? Yeah, I think back then like the person I was dating at the time didn't know that, and that was pretty special. Um, what, do you play it to them on, like, um, on, a, on a USB or a computer, or you play it to them live? <laughs> Can you remember? remember I don't think I they would want to like listen to it ever again because I played it so often. Oh. <laughs> just like on radio. Okay. So I just have like some of the end of my microphone. Um, no, it's, it's one of those like one of those moments that I, I suppose very few people will get to experience in their life, where someone writes a song about you. So I'm just wondering what that moment's like, and what or what your recollections are of that moment. Yeah, or I think experience. that was like pretty special. I think, um, but I think. Uh, so, I think it was highly appreciated at the time, and um, I think I've done that a lot of the time with like partners I've had, and like just like you would maybe write a love letter or like take them on a nice date or just any way to show appreciation. Like that's that would be one of my ways of doing that. Um, do you wait till time. you get to like the three month mark? Do you have <laughs> yeah, to do three no. months before you get a Hannah song? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean at the time I think yeah it was something that I did frequently, but. Yeah. Um, or yeah, how I mean, Taylor just, Swift of Just you. like, I know, right? Like any, I think any artist or any um, musician would say the same. It's yeah. just like, it's a way to feel. So, yeah. Mm. Are you seeing anyone right now? Yes. My partner lives in Queensland. Her name's Katie. How long have you guys been together? We've been together over two years now. Right. Is she yeah. the one, I listened to a podcast on my run today in preparation of this. This may have been going back. Where, oh, no, this was an American girl. You're on the same team. <sighs> Um, that was my last relationship. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
How, so you and Katie have been together how long? Two years? Just over two years. Yeah. Now, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So does she play football as well? No, she is not remotely associated with football, which is like, <laughs> I think it's very helpful. Like me and her could have a good conversation. Yeah, I probably. think so. I think you guys does she know who, who Myanmar is? Or? <laughs> she actually does. She would now. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, she would now. Yes. Yeah. But no, she's fantastic. Um, she actually was, she grew up like dancing. She's yeah. a dancer. What song has she got? Did you... <laughs> Has she got a song yet? I like I said, I haven't done that in so long. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you've been um, you've been really uh, I don't want to say um, defined, but you've been really open about your sexuality, and you've um, you're involved in a couple of charities that you know support like gay rights and stuff like that. Yeah, um, which is really really cool. What, what was what, what was that journey like? Like uh, the, the coming out journey. When did you realize you were gay? When I was probably 18 yeah, and just kind of was in denial for a couple of years and then um, kind of told my some teammates of mine, um, I went out to a gay bar with a few of them because that was kind of like they were just going out there for fun and then I was, was, was this to, in Auckland? This was in Auckland, okay. yeah. I said to one of them, it was, you know, that kind of stuff weighs quite heavily on you, you know, when you can't really talk about... Um, who you're seeing and your new, new partner and you're really excited and it's fresh and it's new but you feel like you can't you're holding talk back. about it. Yeah, yeah, so I went up to one of my teammates and I said like, I have to I have to tell you something and I can tell already when I say that, like she already knows what I'm going to say and she goes like, oh yeah, what's that? And I said, well, let's just say it's not entirely, uh, <laughs> it's not entirely, um, unreasonable for me to be in this place <laughs> was my way of coming out like it was just so hard to say at the time you know so much um yeah it's you're so such a my in such a minority position at that at that point so sucks that you have to build it up to be such a big thing eh? i know so oh. that was a very terrifying experience like anyone who's been through it and um i will say like Looking back, like it really, if I was to, was to give anyone any advice, it's just it's never going to be as bad as you think mm. ever. You know, I talked to my best friend on the team about it, um, and any, any every reaction was perfect. It was like, is that it? Like, what do you mean? Like, why are you so nervous and shaky and crying? And it's like, that's great. Like, finally, oh, we, you know, we really were you were you that like stressed about it? I was terrified. It? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think now... Why? Is that just overthinking and almost yeah. catastrophizing? The, Absolutely. Yeah. You're thinking, like, that you're going to be disowned. I mean, you know, that's unfortunately the case for a lot of, like, kids um, or young young adults sort of coming to terms with themselves. And uh, that's why it's important that we have, like, a lot of visibility, of, um, especially if you've got a platform, to show and celebrate your identity as much as you can and show, you know, that you're not... You know, it's not uh, something to be chastised over. Mm. It's not something to to be, you know, uh, despite what you might actually think. Uh, it's, yeah, I think it's disappointing when you've got kids who are suicidal um, because they're just so ashamed of their oh, identity. Oh, it's outrageous. Yeah. It's completely outrageous. And it, But it also seems outrageous. I mean, I'm, I'm a middle-aged uh, white male, so I can't have an opinion on <laughs> on anything like this. But it seems outrageous to me that uh, it's still a thing that you have to make that announcement. Like, you know what I mean? I, I never have to stand up in a room yeah. and say, "Hey, 
I want everyone to know. I mean, this is <laughs> and Ronaldo walks in. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think yeah, that's that is an interesting way to put it. But I feel it, like in, in in your lifetime, hopefully in my lifetime, that'll that'll change, and it's just well, a, that, an announcement yeah, won't have to be absolutely. made. Absolutely, but I think um, the sort of the point of pride and celebrating identity yeah. and respecting and um, feeling really great about who you are, and that's the part of the coming out process is yeah. is being able to. The more that that's seen and noticed, the more comfortable that people who are on the brink of suicide, you know, feel about their themselves. And there's no hate for themselves. There's no self hatred, and despite what you've been conditioned into, yeah, for example. completely. So yeah. And and your your parents and brothers, they were they were handy with it. Oh they, yeah, yeah, absolutely. My, they, they even did they do that thing that. Uh, I had Campbell Johnston uh, sitting in the same yeah. seat as you, the first, oh, yeah, like, the first yeah, gay yeah. all black. And he was like, his his mum was like, yeah, I knew already. And then his, his dad was just mumbling about something that was happening in the duck pond on the farm. Like, <laughs> just like zero interest in it at all. Yeah. Same sort of experience for you? Similar, your, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, like, anywhere. I had absolutely catastrophized it, like you said, and I thought it was going to go such a different way. And everybody who loves me, you know, still, still loves me and, you know, doesn't make a difference. And mm. that's... That's all that you want, and I think honestly, if anybody goes through this and then they lose people as a, as a result, that shows that you don't actually need them in your yeah, life. Yeah, fuck them. Right. Yeah, it's it's a good chance for these people to expose themselves exactly. and say, okay, good. Totally. Have you um, experienced any homophobia or anything like that? I. Well, you've been aware of it. Cause you're you're in Tennessee for is Tennessee part of the like the, the Bible Belt? Bible Belt. Yeah, right, it is. right. So um, yeah, deeply to be conservative. Honest, thankfully, not. Well, you do get the odd, like, you know, derogatory term thrown at you when you're, like, maybe holding your partner's hand on the street, down in Tennessee, for sure. Um, I mean, I had, uh, you know, black friends in America that couldn't go to some parts of Tennessee still. So it was still a place that is just so archaic and just mm. t- conservative and ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I've had my fair share, but in the football world, no. Not too bad at all, so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, I've taken up heaps of your time. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably let you get what, – what, so um, we're recording this in late June, so the, the tournament's about a month away at the time of recording this. What's the next month going to look like? Yeah, so we go into camp. Um, selection is tomorrow. So, well, we get told tomorrow and then it's publicly announced on Friday. Selection as in, so you're in the squad. The we've wider, got a wider squad. Yeah. And um, the 23, squad of 23 will be named internally tomorrow and then um, publicly on Friday. So uh, from there, uh, there's a friendly game against Vietnam and Napier. And then we go into base into Keith Hay Park. Um, and then start getting get up. Really, we have another and um, a friendly against Italy. I think it's a closed match though. Um, so we've got two like kind of warm up games, and then go straight into it. Mm. And how many? What's the story with tickets? How many tickets do you get for each game? So yeah, we get like a, about six each. Okay. Yeah. So Who, who's got them? Mum, dad, your two brothers? My brothers are actually in England, so I don't think they can. Oh, how good. Back. How good. Uh, Freeze yeah. up two more tickets? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so no, I got all my family. I got friends coming and, yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. cool. That's cool. And um, so a good tournament for you, it's going to look like, like uh, for Hannah Wilkinson personally, a good tournament, what's it going to look like? Yeah, look, I'm, um, I'm so stoked, honestly. It's, it's obviously something that I've been gearing up for and this is definitely the pinnacle event. It's the pinnacle event for a lot of us. So we are really going to go and just go out there and smash it. Eh? Mm. It's going to be incredible. I can just see like this fire in your eye when you, <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you talk about it. You like you really light up. Shit, you're gonna miss it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. You know, like whenever whenever that time comes, hopefully you get to hopefully get to end on your own terms rather oh, than with, a, with an injury or something. Yeah, but totally. Yeah. It, how hard is that going to be? Like, um, yeah. Look, I've thought about that a lot because I have actually been close to just being like, I can't anymore. You know, with injuries and like how knees mm. feel and the sacrifice, uh, but. Yeah, in the end, it's your life's work, you know. So, um, and yeah, just at least this tournament is extremely important. And it's it's yeah. an amazing group, um, and we're going to be incredible. Yeah. Well, and as we've discussed, you say it's your life work, but th- this is just one chapter of the many chapters that you're going to have in your life. I've yeah. got no doubt about that. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what you choose to do next because it cool. seems like whatever you do, you do bloody well. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Wilkie. Oh, no worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hannah Wilkinson on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Thank you so much for making it all the way through. I do hope you liked that episode. If you've ever got any feedback, good or bad, you can message me on Instagram, Dom Harvey NZ. Love your DMs. Or you can email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. Just before we go, very important acknowledgement to the sponsors of this episode. Without these organisations, the podcast simply wouldn't be possible. So last thing I want is for you guys to buy something or try something you don't want or you don't need. Um, But if you are in the market, I would encourage you to support the people that support the podcast. First of all, Skin Institute, who do some fantastic work. 6,000 Kiwis are diagnosed with melanoma every year. 300 of us, maybe me, maybe you, will die from it. Skin Institute are the skin cancer experts. Go and see them for a full body skin check. Skininstitute.co.nz or you can call them 0800-754-637. 0800-754-637. And finally, Radix Nutrition, who actually have a special deal for you right now, which you should get amongst. They want you to try their breakfasts for free. It's real easy. Just select a couple of flavors you like the sound of and you will pay for postage and not a cent else. Their breakfast range is incredible, by the way. They taste good and each breakfast is packed with seriously high protein, fiber, no added sugar and over 30 vitamins and minerals. Personally, I like them as a pre-run fuel because they give me the fuel I need without making me feel bloated or heavy. But they're also great for hikes and walks. You could even just have one in your drawer at work for an emergency snack. Go to their website, radixnutrition.co.nz, that's spelled R-A-D-I-X, and look for free sample pack. Or to make it even easier for you, uh, in the description of this particular episode, I'll include a direct link. All right, I think that concludes this episode. Really hope you enjoyed it, and I do hope to see you next week on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.